What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Mintz. And I'm Jordan Schusterman. And we are the hosts of Baseball Barbacast. And we are so excited to be back recording a podcast together Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for the 2024 Major League Baseball season. I am so excited for this year, Jake. Yeah, we are here with Yahoo Sports. Our time off of podcasting has weighed on me heavy. I've been delivering baseball takes to inanimate objects. So I'm rearing to get back to talking ball with my buddy. So join us on Baseball Barbercast. We're going to have a good time. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza and as always, I am joined by Matt Harmon on Sunday evening to help recap five of the most interesting NFL games from Sunday afternoon. And of course, we'll preview the big Monday night matchup. This is a Monday night matchup that I think I am most excited for out of the entire slate of games. So wait for it. It should be good. Before we get into the games, though, a bit of news that came out this morning we did not mention on FFL. But we should talk about on this wrap-up pod, Matt, I'm particularly interested in your thoughts on Joe Brady's firing in Carolina. You got to love, this was a real uh, goodbye (laughs) week, a real, a real bye week for Joe Brady with the Carolina Panthers. Like literally goodbye, get on out of here. Oh, that was a good Um, one. I well mean, I, I've, I saw so many people say that. So, oh. like, you know, it's, I'm not this is not an original thought. I will not take credit for it. But a couple of things. I mean, I, lo- I love when a team sneaks this in like, hey, great. I know we're not playing this like great slate of games we got going on here. By the way, we're going to go ahead and fire Joe Brady. Uh, that was great. I uh, love when they sneak it in during game day. So this was from. Uh, and, and there was a lot of reporters saying that, uh, you know, especially I saw Tom Pelissero from NFL Network say that, that this was like they they were not on the same page, Matt Rule and Joe Brady. I would like to know who is on the page of picking the quarterbacks, because that's the page that needs to go ahead and get ripped out the book. All right. Um, and then David Newton from ESPN followed that up and said, quote, Matt Rule wanted the Panthers to rush 30 to 33 times a game. I mean, my God, that part was an ad by me. Newton continues to say they only had 16 rushes in their last game before the bye. Now, former OC Joe Brady uh, just never found the right balance. It's pretty hard to establish the run when when your running back gets hurt all the effing time uh, because you run him too much, basically. Because you don't understand load (laughs) management, right? No, yeah. Yeah, And, and when you're down, you know, a bunch of scores on the road, like you don't run the ball 30 to 33 times with Chuba Hubbard and Amir Abdullah and, you know, Cam Newton. I mean, give me a break. So I, I know this is, I don't really know how this is going to go the rest of the um, rest of the season. Uh, what's the fellow's name? The senior offensive assistant. He was with Matt rule at Baylor. So now he's going to call the plays. It's going to be kind of a collaborative effort, but I don't, this is like yet another instance of the Panthers just kind of chasing their shadow with David Tepper at the helm ever since Tepper has taken over you know they boot Ron Rivera out the door and Cam Newton and kind of a joint move there obviously they they fired Rivera in season to get a head start and you know Tepper's like gotta get his guy he gets Matt Rule they've cycled now through three quarterbacks he got hold on he got Matt Rule and gave him a hell of a runway also it wasn't just like seven years yeah you don't just get Matt Rule for a two to three a two-year deal with a 30-year option like seven years is a really long contract in the NFL yeah I mean absurdly long big money and two years into that seven-year deal Matt Rule is already looking for a fall guy and I guess it's Joe Brady and I don't know I just I'm kind of out on this era of Carolina Panthers football. I know I was very excited, like a little adoring fan uh, when Cam Newton was signed. And that was so cute and so lovely. I'm the sucker that fell for it. But um, no, I mean, first of all, that week won you a lot of points in DFS. So don't don't poo poo it. And I also feel like there is nothing wrong with believing in Tepper because of the regime that came ahead of him and the, quote, maverick style that he brought to the ownership team. I I, I understand it. I feel like he probably bit off more than he could chew with a contract that was much larger than maybe 
yeah. a coach transitioning from college to the NFL could handle. And also, this feels like just a giant bus throw. This is like a bus throw the size of that chick Sharon blaming Marie Callender's for the burnt Thanksgiving uh, pumpkin pie. Like, you've not seen this thread? You got to see this thread. Oh, my God, friend. Sharon goes on Facebook. You know if they're posting on Facebook to complain, by the way. Check, check. That's something. She took a picture of her very burnt pumpkin pie and said, thanks, Marie Callender's for ruining Thanksgiving. Favorite comment, by the way. Nobody told you to yeet the pie into the sun. I died. Anyway, (laughs) this this is a bus throw for me of that level. And the upcoming schedule for the Panthers coming off by Atlanta. Okay, Atlanta's an, an interesting spot. Yeah. Fine. But then yeah. you're at you're at Buffalo. You're at Orchard Park. That's not a fun place to play. Versus Tampa Bay. <laughs> that secondary's starting to get a little bit healthier now, too. Then you're at New Orleans. Then you finish your season at Tampa Bay again. Can you imagine how gassed the Carolina defense is going to be by January 9th? Oh, Brian Burns, Shaq Thompson, Stefan Gilmore, and the boys, they're going to be ready to hit the hit the road ready for to start their vacation that's for sure by the time we get to week 18 so it's just not great for for the Panthers I think just for the future of it I mean for the rest of the season like we already know McCaffrey's done we've already kind of talked the Chuba Hubbard Amir Abdullah potential split there you know we've already obviously covered like Cam Newton things will be rocky the offensive line is a total s show and it's just they did not I don't think they had a good plan coming into the season and now they're kind of just making desperate moves and I just don't really know what the Panthers want to be under Matt rule. Like Matt rules, kind of the guy where it's like, what would you say you do here? I guess he's going to be doing a little more now taking more of an input in the offensive play design. And I guess that's going to mean that they want to try to run the ball 30 to 33 times. That ain't it. Good. Good luck with that. I mean, I just don't know what they thought Joe Brady was going to do with this they traded three draft picks for Sam Darnold. <laughs> you, you also took Terrace Marshall, who knew Joe B- Brady at LSU in the second round, to ostensibly yeah, give this quarterback yeah. of the future another weapon. And we've not seen much out of Marshall. And I don't like, no, I'm a little bit that. worried for any of the dynasty investors who believed in Marshall without Joe Brady there. Yeah. Um, he obviously has not, he's not flashed at this point. He was a healthy scratch before the bye. <laughs> That's the way to put it. Um, watching him, I would just say a little bit of a Rager-esque rookie year for uh, Terrace Marshall, which is not good. So, Well, if we're talking about the Panthers and Sam Darnold, we obviously have been talking about the backup quarterback situation in Carolina. But the Panthers were not the only team to mess with a backup quarterback quite a bit. In fact, this week, it felt like there were a bunch of backup quarterbacks. Andy Dalton, Mike Glennon, former Bear Mike Glennon, by the way. Wow. Gardner Minshew, Davis Mills did not start, but he saw some time because of a potential injury that Terod was dealing with. Uh, Taylor Heineke, I don't really think he's a backup. I I think he's, well, we we can talk about the money he's earned. I think he's done enough to at least keep his job. Um, And Taysom Hill, we want to talk about Thursday. (laughs) Although Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is. (laughs) Whatever Taysom is. Can we also just, I mean, I don't know where you're at on the Taysom Hill experience. I think it was much more of an experiment. And I think we know it's over if for no other reason than an inability to stay on the field. Yeah, uh, definitely. I I think they're whatever the Saints solution is at quarterback, it's not on their roster. It hasn't been on their roster all year. That includes obviously what they were doing with Jameis Winston as well. So it feels like a punt year for New Orleans where they got some pretty good wins to start the year. But listen, that's like a preseason roster right now. And I I put Taysom Hill in the mix as well. You know, it's funny with the whole Mike Glennon, like comparing Mike Glennon to Gardner Minshew. And I don't know if we're going to talk a bunch about Gardner Minshew's uh, play later on, but like, it just goes to show like some teams have a guy at backup quarterback where it's like, Oh, you can throw Gardner Minshew out there and he can keep the ship afloat at a minimum and give you a really good game at a maximum. And then you've got the teams that are doing the Mike Glennon thing. And it's like, we've seen this story. We know how this goes. You're going to throw Mike Glennon out there in a disaster of a situation. And and you're going to get well exactly what the giants got this, this week. Yeah, that is a really good point. I think, you know, we've watched the heroics of Colt McCoy while Kyler was out. We'll talk about that Arizona game. That felt real good. And Gardner Minshew is not a bad quarterback. You know what I mean? What is he probably like the 35th best quarterback in the league? He's just got some arm strength issues. I don't know. He might even be 32nd best quarterback in the league. Some of these jokers that we've been rolling out who are starters. So, um, 
I think that's a really interesting point and in how the money is divvied up, but it does look like Jalen Hurts will be the starter again after the Eagles week 14 bye. So if you got Gardner Minshew yeah. and you were able to use him this week, congratulations. He got you over 200 yards and two passing scores. Yeah, we really don't need like a two-week media cycle about Minshew mania based on uh, him coming in and throwing two touchdowns against the Jets. It's like, that's great. I think Jalen Hurts probably could have thrown a couple of touchdowns and passed that way against the Jets as well. The Jets, who are the 32nd ranked defense in EPA per play allowed since week eight, they've been a nightmare. Like the great, great job by Gardner Minshew. And like, as someone who played Dallas Goddard in daily fantasy and uh, told my brother-in-law to start Dallas Goddard, like 30 minutes before game time, shout out to me, keeping the yes. family all together. Uh, he has a <laughs> career day. That's great. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, good stuff by Gardner Minshew. But again, that's what backup quarterbacks should do. You should come in, keep the ship afloat. And if you're playing a, you know, a dust ball team like the Jets, you can come in and crush it. I, Gardner Minshew is not the answer for the Eagles. Jalen Hurts might not be the answer for the Eagles either, but they, I think they still owe it to, uh, spin their wheels the rest of 2021 trying to figure that out i can't by the way i can't comprehend the like i don't know should we give up on jalen hurts when like it just seems ridiculous to me this is basically his first year and you're already gonna start the yeah. cycle of i don't know i don't know and then you think about like what taylor heineke is doing and thinking like man look at the money that washington is saving here it's a whole yeah. other it's a whole other discussion uh we talked about I colt mccoy it, yeah. We mentioned Andy Dalton, so I think it makes the most sense to move to the Cardinals-Bears game. This was Kyler Murray's return and New Hopkins' return. They hadn't been on the field since week eight. Kyler Murray looks vintage. I also, this game reminded me, I thought, you know, last week we talked about how the slate felt a little bit like how the parody of the league was seeping into fantasy and how it was so hard to project. This week, the theme felt like if you were able to hold on while your studs were out and a lot of them returned it were if you were able to stay like in the top half of your league you're probably going to be okay as you push towards the playoffs and Kyler Murray who I have on a lot of rosters two passing touchdowns two rushing touchdowns did not look hurt uh, completed 11 passes to eight different receivers, spreading the ball around like we saw him doing at the top of the year no one had more than three targets or two catches I feel like this is this is what we remembered from, oh, September and October. Right. DeAndre Hopkins gets the touchdown, even though the volume's not there, as we've seen before. He just continues to score. Um, you know, we started last week's podcast saying that, like, the entire league felt like a fantasy team standing-wise. Well, the one team that is usually, like, this run in the league, you know, things are going real well for them, is the Arizona Cardinals. They're the one team with best record. I mean, the Packers are up there, too. They're, like, the two teams with a, a winning percentage above 700, I believe. And the Cardinals, like, the mark of a great team is you can have your backup quarterback come in and you can survive. They're 2-1 and one with Colt McCoy. Shout out to you guys. The mark of a great player is you come in and instantly make the whole thing so much better. And that's what Kyler Murray did. I would say, too... I wouldn't rule out that like Kyler Murray gets into the MVP discussion, like, and potentially wins the award, despite the fact that he missed time because, you know, Liz right now, usually we have like a couple, like one or two guys that we're choosing from, you know, it's the best quarterback on the best team. Well, like I just said, the Cardinals are potentially the best team in the NFC, at least record wise. And Kyler Murray is easily their best player, obviously, and, and super dynamic guy. So if he continues, puts up games like this, he was the number one fantasy quarterback and he completed 11 passes. Like you said, <laughs> he was that dynamic in this game. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up the league MVP based on what he did at the beginning of the year. And then if he finishes really strong, obviously there are guys that of course, like Brady, you know, even Rogers, Mahomes, Josh Allen could potentially get in the conversation, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Murray ends up uh, winning that thing. I, I would like to see the, reflect well, I'd like to see the newly adjusted odds uh, I think I think you're on to something there I mean that's also why a couple of weeks ago we were hearing about like Jonathan Taylor as potential MVP even though a running back oh, can you imagine running backs better a running back would never take that but because the quarterbacks had been so outside of Brady of course uh inconsistent um but let's let's talk about the game from the Bears side a little bit only because you know, we went, we answered a lot of Darnell Mooney questions in mm, on yeah. FFL and sure, seven targets, by the way. Andy Dalton also spread the ball around. There were four different receivers with seven targets. David Montgomery was the target leader with nine. This was my worry about Mooney, who only caught five for 27. And that was that when you don't, when you, when Cole Komet is banged up and my God, Jimmy Graham in the end zone, this is just the worst <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> Go line back, Jimmy Graham. My goodness. Like one catch, 
one yard, one touchdown. Um, but even Cole Komet Jimmy Graham, banged. Jimmy Graham is literally the embodiment of the of Harvey Dent from the Black Knight. You live long, or the the whole thing, like you live your, long enough to see yourself become the villain type of thing. That's like <laughs> Jimmy Graham's fantasy life. Like this guy, he went from the oh, he's like a sneaky third round. Hey, you know, he used to play basketball tight end. Like, that's my breakout guy. When I was like in college drafting Jimmy Graham as as my starting tight end, I thought like I was the smartest freaking guy on planet Earth, you know, drafting Jimmy Graham. He went from that to this. Like, that's the full, that's the full life cycle. He also had the like incredible return from catastrophic knee injury. Oh Phoenix yeah, that's Rising true. from the ashes in the middle of that whole thing. I mean, he is the NFL story. The NFL films that will eventually be released on him will be Chef's Kiss. But right now, if you're playing fantasy and you've tried to believe <laughs> in Cole Komet, you absolutely hate it. Komet yes. has been dealing with this groin injury. So, you know, he's another one of those receivers or pass catchers that gets Seven targets, can't do much of anything with him. Three catches for 41 yards. There's no Allen Robinson. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, the track star. We know that narrative, right? He's not available. And so it's just easier to key in on Mooney. And so now you have a whole bunch of not a whole lot. And David Montgomery, if we're looking for a silver lining, is it. The Bears are just like, screw it. Let's just run the, like, I don't know. We just got to run the ball. Like, we're this is the identity, black and blue. We got it. 21 carries, 90 yards. He finds the end zone, and then, like you said, he also he also uh, was the target leader. He caught eight balls for just over another 50 receiving yards. Yeah, Montgomery had been there in terms of snaps played, you know, percentage of backfield touches. Like, he had completely made Khalil Herbert, who, you know, I don't even know if this is the right decision because Herbert looks like he's got some juice from the games that he played, but he had just completely pushed Herbert to the sideline did David Montgomery and then you know coming into this matchup at some point you have to think all of that volume is going to turn into some production at some point coming into a matchup against the Cardinals were 32nd ranked in explosive run rate allowed I kind of wish I had um you know told more people to start David Montgomery it's just you know it's always tough with the Bears offense and that that brings me to the Mooney point too I mean, I'm, I'm, I really bought hard into Mooney. I didn't play him in daily fantasy, even though pretty decent, you know, $17 salary, um, but did answer a lot of questions like on FFL in favor of Darnell Mooney. And I mean, Mooney's a fine player. He's not like a future. He's he's not an alpha. He's not like your number one outside guy. He's not an expert. He probably shouldn't even be your two. He probably shouldn't even be your two. He should be like a good three, you know, but when a good three is getting all that volume as the number one, and then they actually go play a real NFL team, not the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving. Um, Even the Ravens secondary has been horrible. Like the Cardinals on balance have been a pretty good pass defense, uh, even if they have been giving up explosive run plays. I typically don't buy into those type of players. I wish I had not bought so hard into Mooney. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I mean, he's, he's a fine player. I don't mean to like disparage him, but it's not as if this is like some future, like you said, number one ex receiver. We're not, we're not looking at that here with Mooney. David Montgomery's schedule moving forward, though, must make fantasy managers happy. Jeez. You're at Green Bay, Minnesota, Seattle, the Giants. Oh, the Giants in week 17. That, that feels pretty special. Um, let's move to <laughs> another NFC North clash uh, between the Vikings and the Lions. I feel pretty good. I was very unhealthily invested in the Lions winning this. Even as a Bears fan, I like knew there was going to be an upset because it is very difficult to lose to lose 16 games and even though they couldn't technically lose 16 games because of the tie you know what I mean you got to win one this was the spot I also felt really good you know we've watched we're both based in LA we've watched Jared Goff's experience with the Rams it felt really nice to see him in just one moment pull off a last second win with a touchdown to Armon St. Brown to give the Lions their first win of the season, 29 to 27 over the Vikings. Yeah. I'm on Ross St. Brown with a, you know, a career high 86 yards, his first touchdown ever. That's a very memorable first touchdown. You know, Dan Campbell and Jared Goff get to do what's like the classic enthusiastic bro hug, which is like you guys completely embrace. And at the end of it, you just shove the hell out of each other. That's like, that's good stuff right there. That's good male uh, energy on your celebration there between those two guys. Um, yeah, no, I, this was, you're so right to say that this should have been on upset watch. Cause like, it is very hard to go through the whole season and not win a game. 
And uh, if any team is going to acquiesce in like the weirdness there, it's going to be the Minnesota freaking Vikings. There's and they were so certain- many <laughs> defensive problems and injuries so and many. wrinkles and Patrick Peterson on not that Patrick Peterson is like what he used to be. I mean, everyone, no. you know, but regardless, I mean, him on the COVID list just was like another thing that another the Vikings thing. had to battle. Yeah, that's been a huge problem when he's not been in there because he was on IR for a while, too. It's, it's funny. I said this exact thing during the Josh Reynolds uh, sleeper segment we had on FFL. I, I like, liked that, by the some, way. I liked it a lot. I was like, yeah, I mean, he had four catches for 69 yards, but I was like, somebody out of Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond, and Amon Ross St. Brown is going to have a big game. I think it's going to be Josh Reynolds. It turned out to be St. Brown. I mean, not that 69 yards is totally terrible if you have to pick up a 2% rostered player off the waiver wire. But still, it's like some of that he's going to have a big game against the secondary. Ends up being St. Brown. Um, you know, Jared Goff, three touchdowns as well. And obviously, in the backup running back bowl, we expected Alexander Madison uh, to be the superior play. He was the superior play. 22 carries, three catches, finds the end zone. Also, Jamal Williams. 17 rush attempts, clearly a team high. Jamar Jefferson was second with five. Does catch just one pass, which was a little uh, disappointing. But those receivers actually played well for Detroit in this Well, there's familiarity between Reynolds and Goff, obviously, as they were both on the Rams together. And I wouldn't poo-poo your Reynolds call. I mean, maybe the four grabs wasn't enough, but he was third in team targets behind St. Brown and Hawk with seven looks. He had five looks last week versus Chicago. I think Reynolds is one of these sleepers that is bubbling up. At least we know talent-wise and chemistry-slash-rapport-wise, there is something more tangible there to um, throw darts at. Um, Otherwise, you know, I should notice, obviously, uh, Justin Jefferson goes off 182 yards and a touchdown. Cousins passes for 340 plus two touchdowns. News, though, that Adam Thielen sprained his ankle. So, obviously, fantasy managers are going to want to monitor that over the next week. Yeah, Tyler Conklin gets nine targets and seven catches. Somebody else will have to step up with Thielen because this is a very shallow wide receiver room. Like, this is the best offense for fantasy because it's just like running back, two receivers, that's it, log out. Uh, But somebody like Conklin or, you know, KJ Osborne Osborne who gets seven targets will have to step up if Thielen misses time. But it's a pretty big uh, loss there for sure. The Chargers responded to a loss last week with a win this week in a hotly contested AFC matchup against the Bengals. Uh, Justin Herbert passes for over 300 yards and three touchdowns. He gets sacked four times. I mean, you talked about the O-line issues, the pass-protecting issues in Los Angeles and how there seems to be some chemistry problems along that line. And I think that showed up today, despite the fact that the Chargers get the win. Keenan Allen only uh, catches five balls, but two of them are in the end zone. You don't hate it. Mike Williams also tops 100 yards on five catches. And our boy Austin Eckler clears 100 scrimmage yards. Two fumbles. Not going to mention that on Eckler's edge, though. Yikes. And a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, maybe keep that one uh, off the list of things to mention. Just just say all those good things first. Uh, yeah, no, actually, they talked a decent bit in the broadcast. I thought this was interesting. Um, I was listening to it on my drive, on my long commute home, 15 minutes away from the office. <laughs> the... Broadcast was talking about how the um, Eckler is in, uh, interesting in terms of NFL running back. Says like he's actually hoping that a compliment emerges to him at some point. Like yeah, he's he not, it. yeah, he's not one of these guys like old, um, you know, Christian McCaffrey who's just like let me get pummeled into the ground or whatever. Um, Eckler wants someone to emerge. Nobody has. I mean, J- Justin Jackson's second on the team with six carries for fifteen yards. It's like. I think at some point they do want to probably try to find somebody to to help lighten that load a little bit uh, and just keep getting him efficient touches. But I just thought that was interesting that um, they're still kind of on the radar for that. And, you know, like the Chargers number two back would be a super valuable stash in fantasy, but we don't really know who that player is. Uh, I asked Austin I who he thought it would be um, because he's mentioned on Eckler's Edge plenty of times. Like I don't and I think I've said this on, on our wrap up pod that he's like, I don't really want to touch the ball 20 times a game, let alone 30 like Joe Mixon uh, on the other side of this matchup or the aforementioned Christian McCaffrey, I would like to stay on the field and I am self-aware about what I can handle, which again, we talk about self, you and I talk about self-awareness and how important that is for life in general. It's also important in your career and in fantasy, but I have mentioned it to, I've asked him point blank and he's said that it's likely Larry Roundtree, Justin Jackson, when he's uh, healthy is great, but he's rarely healthy. And that's, you know, yeah. being pretty that I don't I don't think Eckler's like that's not a hot take for saying that Larry Roundtree has a different build and in goal line Roundtree will get the look ahead of Eckler per Eckler's suggestion. 
there you go. Well, that uh, that is a good thing to. Mo- Hopefully, we don't have to have this situation ever come to pass. Uh, even though he did uh, limp off the field though a little bit during this game, but you know, we'll see what happens. You mentioned that Eckler limped off the field. Um, he had mentioned a ankle injury towards the top of the season, and so we don't know anything because I believe you know it happened at this on the second to last series of the game. Um, and the report was just that he limped off. Um, so I'm not quite sure specifically which, like what part of his lower body specifically is bothersome, but I do know, and he talked on Eckler's Edge again about um, an ankle issue earlier in the season. So my, I'm, I'm querying whether or not that might be an aggravation. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that that could be something. It's just something to monitor, though. Obviously, the Chargers buy his way in the rearview mirror. Jalen Guyton stepping up for four catches, 90 yards and a touchdown, I think is necessary. It's always been kind of weird to me that like Guyton was a guy they used a lot last year in vertical situations. And they really haven't been able to find that dimension, despite the fact that like Jared Cook and Donald Parham are not you really stepping up at tight end. So I, I think that would be a nice dimension for them to get in the mix here. And also Mike Williams, like we know at this point. It was really cute the like first four weeks he had, but he is a boom bust like downfield receiver. And this was one of the boom weeks. He had two 40 plus yard receptions in the first quarter. Um, and I like seeing the Chargers getting those downfield looks for Mike Williams. Like those, that's good. That's where you want to use him. And Keenan Allen, oh my gosh, what a star. Uh, two touchdowns. You mentioned it. It had been a while since he had scored. He, he had from weeks uh, eight to 12. He had 58 targets and it scored just one time. And that was all the way Ooh. back in week eight. He was due for that swing back in the touchdown column. And uh, even on just eight targets here, he gets those two touchdowns. T Higgins was due last week and managed to ROI. And then he Still did it do. again this week. I think everybody was scared off of him in DFS. It was like, no, no, no. Even Tank said it on FFL. He was like, nah, that happened last night. I don't believe it. Two weeks in a row. He leads the Bengals receivers in looks with 14, converts nine of those for 138, finds the end zone. Yeah, this is like the mid to late season switch where Jamar Chase had emerged at the top of the season. Defenses are adjusting. They know how explosive he can be. And so they're focusing their attentions on him. And the benefit for the Bengals is that they have a lot of options. I mean, even CJ Uzuma, you know, get six looks in this one like he doesn't put up giant stats but he is a body that needs to be accounted for and that makes things quite nice for Joe Burrow who passes for 300 yards here yes agree uh Burrow has to throw the ball 40 times because like you know we're talking about this the final score was 41 to 22 it was like 22 to nothing right away the Chargers came out and were storming on the Bengals uh Bengals had a couple turnovers um they had a (laughs) The Jamar Chase, like, volleyball back to the Chargers <laughs> defender interception on a deep target. Like, shades of preseason Jamar Chase on that one there. Uh, so, yeah, the Bengals were down bad pretty quickly. So, they were not able to, like, establish a, a big ground game. Joe Mixon still got 19 carries. Nothing to sneeze at. He did find the end zone. Thank God for all of us goofballs who did play him in our flex and DFS. And by that, I do mean me. <laughs> Well, it was a little bit scary early. I believe in the first half of the game, Joe Mixon got a little, he had to leave for a minute, a little banged up for a second. And I thought, I was like, oh, this is the curse of the 30 touches per game. It's happening. We know he's not super durable. And I had scooped Samaji Pirine, which by the way, I would suggest people do, if for no other reason than to screw the Mixon owner who is probably ahead of you in your standings. A a thousand percent. I mean, I wrote about this. I was so... I'm, I'm losing my words here. But like, <laughs> Sony Michelle was 54% rostered this morning. Right. What are you yeah. people doing? Like, these guys, and uh, like, we talked about the situation where, oh, we don't really know who's going to step up if Austin Eckler ever went down with the Chargers. It's going to be Samaje Pirine if Mixon misses time. Yeah. Just like if Daryl Henderson is, you know, uh, not in the game plan or whatever. We know it's going to be Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle runs the ball 20 plus times for 100 yards and touchdown. Like, you goofballs, whoever your wide receiver 5 is on your team, just <laughs> cut him. Your your second tight end. You're never starting that player. Drop these fools and and grab somebody that actually could win you a week. I mean, I don't it's like I'll say it on every podcast, every article, everything I do because I think it's the most important thing in fantasy, I mean, I mean, Chuba Hubbard is like going to be rostered, whatever. But yeah, all these guys that 
are direct, like direct backups. Uh, you know, there are other like the Alexander Madison, obviously, and he was like 90 plus percent. But Sony Michelle being 54 percent was like like and I'm talking about this morning, not like Tuesday. Right. It's nuts. P. Ryan, I'm sure, is not even close to, to where he should be in terms of roster percentage. But if you know that a player is also durable and they're playing the most volatile position, the most yes. brutal position, offensive position in the game, then you want to, and, and you know, I think what happens is that there's all of this like pre-draft theories about whether or not you should get um, a, a backup or something like that. You know, yeah. the Alexander Manderson, the Tony Pollard, and if it's wise to waste a pick on that, fine, don't do that. Fine, I don't care. Don't do that. Great. If yeah, you think yeah. it looks Agreed. weak Agreed. to like ensure it, fine. But come like double digits, now, come week yeah. 10, week 11, then you start plucking those guys. And maybe you can't do that for Madison and maybe you can't do that for Pollard. But you can see how the first half of the season, more than that, has has panned out. And you can probably winnow down a solid backup who might be not 100%, but like 75% of who they're going to be replacing. How about guys like Marlon Mack? Imagine, and I don't even care if you have Jonathan Taylor on your team. That's right. And, you know, That's the point. Like, go grab Marlon Mack because imagine – Imagine like the team that's probably number one in your stupid fantasy league right now has Jonathan Taylor and lock on all the wood, cross across your fingers and your toes and all that stuff. Like Jonathan Taylor gets hurt next week or something. That guy go that guy or gal goes to the waiver wire, like, oh well, I guess I gotta pick up Marlon Mack right now, and he's on your roster. Boom! Like that's how you win a fantasy title. That like freaking um Khalil Herbert don't drop Khalil Herbert all the stuff I just said about him like I mean it's a totally different situation there obviously different rushing ecosystem but imagine if Dave Montgomery gets hurt next week like Khalil Herbert would be look at the like I don't look at the running back landscape right now like these guys have to be on rosters I agree with you um let's talk about (laughs) (laughs) why don't you you take a a nice woosa in and out and You should definitely prepare yourself because I'm going to hit you with something else that might knock the breath right out of you again. The Washington football team has ripped off five straight wins since their week nine bye. They play the Dallas Cowboys in week 14. Obviously a big division matchup. I flipping love this squad. I love Ron Rivera. I love Taylor Heineke. I love the like moxie that he plays with. I don't like, I came in here believing that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be the guy. And obviously the hip injury in week one turned to Heineke and the gutsiness. I keep thinking about like the Philly fans talking about like, I don't know about Jalen Hurts. And then I think about Taylor Heineke and what a damn gift he's been to the, what do you, you just uncover this guy in the playoffs of last year. And, and now he's like averaging what 27 rushing yards per week, something like that. He is not a perfect specimen by any means, but he does not quit. And it's awesome. ODU's finest Taylor Heineke. I mean, uh, making himself some money here with every win. He makes like a certain amount of money. He's made like half a million bucks. So shout out to uh, ODU's finest Taylor Heineke. And I think, you know, he had one in the end of that game where he almost threw the game-ending sure. like pick. Everybody let it out and exhale, and then still they go down the field, they get the field goal, uh, and they win on the road. And you know, I totally agree with you. I love watching Taylor Heineke play. Like that guy's going to play in the league for a hundred years at this point because he is, uh, you know, unlike some of these backups like Mike Glennon, go into the shell as soon as things are going bad. Taylor Heineke stands in the eye of the storm. You love to see it. He's just great. And Antonio Gibson, too, 28 touches in this game, 100 total yards, receiving touchdown. He was a target leader for Washington. Obviously, J.D. McKissick was not out there like any little Wendell Smallwood. <laughs> Please, give me a break. Like, Wendell Smallwood's going to come in there and play J.D. McKissick's role. Antonio Gibson looks great. They have fully, like, committed to him post-buy, I think, the, we, we talked about all the variables that potentially could have gone into that. I think just mostly it's a, a philosophical, like, okay, let's really commit to Gibson. Um, and he just gets, I feel like he gets better as the game goes on too. Like he's a rhythm more getting more into being like a rhythm runner type of guy. He's so, getting healthier yeah, too, clearly. Clearly getting healthier. Uh, I, I love this Washington team. The only obviously negative note here, Logan Thomas left early with a knee injury. He did score. The Virginia stack came th- came through the pride of Lynchburg, Virginia. Logan Thomas does come in and scores a touchdown before he leaves, but um, we'll see. He's been banged up before this year, uh, so we'll see what happens here. They got Seattle next week, which would be an interesting matchup. That it would be an interesting matchup. And I think that the tough thing about Thomas was that he had just re- returned from missing a number of weeks because of a hamstring issue 
last week and drew six looks in week 12's contest. So he obviously is meant to be a focal point for this offense. Uh, Terry McLaurin, by the way, five targets, three catches, 22 yards. That's a little bit disappointing. And I have to apologize I gotta, if I'm gonna own the wins like Jared Goff and the Lions, I gotta own the losses. DeAndre Carter did not do it this week. One target, he did catch it, six yards. It was instead Adam Humphreys. Listen, the, the process was that Carter had been hot and he was a player who splits time pretty evenly between the slot and the outside. Without McKissick, I thought he'd line up a little bit more in the slot and he'd be able to hold on to that volume. But it was Humphreys, the other slot receiver, who draws five looks, uh, catches four of those for bleh, 38 yards. Who cares? But, you know, here we go. Yeah, here we go. Um, disappointing game from Terry McLaurin, who's just going to be volatile with Taylor Heineke in there because just. Heineke does those not hands, have though, you got to rely on those hands every week. It's so hard not to like. He's just so talented. Oh, yeah, no. He comes up with it. He just high points so beautifully. No, he's not going to be like a wide receiver one with old Taylor Heineke back there. It's not going to happen. But he's he's a guy you still want to play every single week because the upside could be there. But is going to be a volatile player with the quarterback play. Other side of the matchup, Derek Carr passed for just under 250 yards, did not manage a single passing touchdown without Darren Waller in the lineup. Hunter Renfro continued to do Hunter Renfro-like things, led the receiving core, converting 9-10 for 102. Josh Jacobs, big winner, he rushed 13 times for 52, found the end zone, also caught all nine of his looks for 38. That's pretty wow. darn efficient. And again, there was no Jalen Richard, and uh, Kenyon Drake did get banged up in this one, but it's nice to see the commitment to Jacobs via the air. Yeah, I was totally like willing to write off Jacobs' rest of season, but the fact they've committed to him as a pass catcher has been huge for his uh, fantasy value the rest of the way. All right, the next game uh, was a little bit surprising for many. The Seattle Seahawks bested the San Francisco 49ers by seven points. They won 30 to 23. Um, I found an interesting stat heading into this game, and I, I discounted it. So what are you going to do? But Russell Wilson heading into week 13 was 15 and four against San Francisco in his career. Now, the last few weeks of Russell Wilson led me to think that mm, this will be 15 and five, but no, the 49ers, there's something about this uh, Pete Carroll, Kyle Shanahan combo that um, doesn't always work well for old Kyle. Well, the, it's the NFC West is just such a weird division. Like the 49ers own the Rams, the Seahawks own the 49ers, yes. the Rams weirdly own the Seahawks. Like there's this, and then the Cardinals then the, have been owning and then the all Cardinals of them. just kind of show the Cardinals <laughs> just kind of show up drunk to the holiday and like Party. they're a real they're the wild card of the group or whatever. So yeah, I think that um, listen, the Seahawks like show in this game that number one they're uh, they're in win now mode with Adrian Peterson. They're one and zero. Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson scores a touchdown. 11 carries, 16 yards for Adrian Peterson. He breaks, or does he break or tie Jim Brown's all-time rushing touchdown record, something like that? This is his seventh team, sixth team he scored a touchdown with is Adrian Peterson. Um, obviously Alex that was his 120th rushing touchdown of his career. Yeah, Alex Collins is inactive with an abdominal injury, but that's what we're calling it. Sure. The uh, <laughs> anybody that's got um, anybody that's got a uh, Alex Collins on their fantasy team this year has got a bit of an upset tummy as well. So we'll call it that. Boom, nailed it. Uh, Russell Wilson back ish, back ish. I mean, he, I think Russ played pretty well in this game, and Gerald Everett. It's hard <laughs> for me to. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> I know exactly where you're going. Sorry, I you made me choke on my spit. <laughs> and I say this as an idiot who had to play uh, Gerald Everett in his tight end spot in one league because Dan Ar Dan Arnold going down was too much to bear. <laughs> Uh, Gerald Everett, it's hard to say that his game it looks wor is worse than the box score when the box score was four catches for seven yards, but he loses two fumbles, is directly responsible for Russell Wilson's interception in the end zone. I mean, like, whatever. He he saw Jamar Chase's thing from earlier, and he's like, hold my beer, bro. I've got one worse <laughs> for you in terms of the volley interception. So, good God. It was, like, it was tough with Gerald Everett. So, overall, though, I mean, you know, DK Metcalf, five catches for six yards on eight targets. Tyler Lockett, seven for 68 and a touchdown. I, I think these guys are, you know, I'm not – 
I feel much better about these guys now than I did eight hours ago. I agree with you, Matt. I do feel better about them now than I did last week, but I don't know. Like when you think about the Houston Texans who they play next week, I think about a strong running game beating the Texans. And are you, are you willing to invest in Adrian Peterson again? No. No. After that impassioned speech about picking up running backs. Uh, I said, you want to stash guys for upside. If your upside is, Maybe 20 yards and a touchdown. Maybe. Good luck. (laughs) I am with you. I am with you. You know, though, that like poor Andy and Scott are going to have to talk about AP on the Tuesday pod on the pickups pod. Yeah. I mean, if you got to pick up Adrian Peterson, I think your team's in a bit of trouble. Let's say that. I think that's a a fair assessment. Um, All right. Other notable performances. Do we need to talk about Tom Brady's notable performances every week? 368 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. That is why he is always the highest. He's always the highest valued quarterback in daily. Two touchdowns for Rob Gronkowski. Love that. Absolutely love that. He doesn't look hurt one bit. I asked Rob, I asked Gronkowski, by the way, I was like, does Tom Brady ever yell at you? Like, I feel like Brady gets heated a lot and just starts screaming, you know, and the veins in his neck are bulging. And Gronk laughed and was like, oh, yeah, I mean, there's one route that he's been yelling at me about for like 10 years. I still only get it right half the time, but I just let him yell. You know, it's never like Tom Brady doesn't throw a perfect ball. I was always happen to be in the wrong spot. I was, I was dying. (laughs) I think, um, but he was in the right spot this time. Um, a lot of the Bucks were in the right spot. Chris Godwin has himself a career oh day, bringing down 15 balls out of 17 for 143. Sets a franchise record, by the way, with that 15 grab effort. Yeah, uh, Uncle Lenny gets in the box as a receiver. I mean, TJ Hernandez and I talked about Tom Brady being 42 bucks in our daily game, and like. Uh, I played him in our FFL contest and you know the, the logic with uh, with Tom Brady was like, if you're going to play him in like a large field tournament, which is our contest is not that it's like, you basically need him to be perfect for at 42 bucks. He was just about almost perfect this in this game. So uh great matchup, obviously. And then on the Falcon side, Russell Gage is the guy tank called it. Russell Gage is the guy to, to run it back. Uh-uh, two bagels. I, every time I try to play this game with Russell Gage, I get burnt. So that's great. Yes. No. Don't he can it. have his 100-plus yards. I'm not interested in in this Michigas at all. Uh, Jalen Waddle, though, there's someone I regularly oh, yeah. like investing in. Another double-digit target effort. Catches nine balls for 90 yards. Don't hate that at all. Tua, by the way, over 240 passing, plus two touchdowns. He, I think the Miami Dolphins, look out now. Like, they are on a surge. Yeah, no, I mean... I- Tua, Jalen Waddle, that connection is alive and well. Uh, Dalton and I talked about the RPO um, heavy offense that they've got going on right now on the stats show last week. And I mean, Jalen Waddle is just going to be a machine too too affordable in DFS every single week. They cannot put his salary high enough. Parker being back is nice because then they don't have to run like Matt Collins as their Matt Collins as their number two receiver. But Parker is just not a great fit in this style of offense and with two and all that type of stuff. Also, I just wanted to make a note, like, from this game, since we're talking about it. Liz, do you ever see a scenario where you're going to rank Saquon Barkley in your top 15 running backs again this season? I didn't do it. I, th- I feel like I Me got either. killed for for uh, not suggesting him in the comments, in the play calling segments that we were doing on FFL. But nah, it's it's messy. I mean, he's, like, always been a boom or bust runner. That's always been, even when he was a great, great prospect, it's like, well, yeah, there's a lot of, like, two yards, two yards, 50 yards type of things. Now it's like he has a long run last week of 32 yards, finishes with 40 yards rushing. In this game, he has a long run of, I think, 23 yards and finishes with 50 yards rushing. And that's the problem now is that the Giants are not going to mount enough drives to get him the shots to, like, br- break off those long runs. I mean, he does catch a lot of passes, nine targets in this game. That's that's good for his floor. But that's all you're looking for is, like, a very mild floor out of Saquon Barkley. I just don't think, think he has a ceiling in this offense. Well, the six catches help in PPR formats, but also that's because Sterling Shepard is out and Kadarius yeah. Tony is out. And so... You know, I don't understand the timetable on either of those guys, frankly, because I feel like we get no. mixed reports, middle of the week, limited practice, no practice, doubtful. I, I don't I don't know. But like as long as they're out, then Barkley's volume 
as a pass catcher is going to stay steady. You're probably going to, what, five to seven catches every week while those guys are out. Yeah, I don't think that yeah. – and, and we know that the Giants are going to be chasing points, and we know he's an efficient pass catcher, even if he isn't an efficient rusher, to your earlier point. Um, all right. I don't, do you want to talk about Miles Sanders? Should we cap things out? We already talked about Gardner Minshew, and we talked about your awesome call on Dallas Goddard. Miles Sanders, 27 touches for 142 yards. This is a career-high 24 carries, but he still hasn't scored a damn touchdown all season. <laughs> I know, super tilting. Kenny Gainwell a little involved in this game, too. Uh, now, he was banged up a little. Uh, ankle injuries, same as previous before. But they do get the bye this week, do the Eagles. So Jalen Hurts probably back as a starter. After the bye, Miles Sanders should be good to go. I think he's a guy you continue to play. I mean, this was obviously a, a cakewalk matchup. But at least he got over 100 total yards. And um, if you played him, you made the right decision this week. Let's, let's preview Monday night, shall we? Yes, we shall. All right. What are your general, before we jump into the DFS plays for this Island game, what are your general perceptions, feelings, things you're keeping an eye on for Patriots at Bills? Yeah, obviously the weather seems like there's some questions there. Uh, overall, I feel like this could be like a slog of a game. And I, I wonder how Buffalo performs in, yeah. in a game like that. You know, I mean, they have obviously narrowed down their backfield to Matt Breida and Devin Singletary. Didn't have that one on my bingo card this year, that's for sure. Uh, and so we'll see if they can perform in that type of game. Because obviously, you know, I, I think they're a team where it's like they need, they really need like a, another, it sounds crazy to say they need another receiver. But, like, they need another, like, big body, like, type of guy. You know what I mean? Like a, a Dawson Knox-esque. Like, you, they need Gabriel Davis to be what he was supposed to be. Right, yeah, they need a good version of Gabriel. They need Gabriel Davis, who's actually good, right? Like, exactly. Uh, you know, they just have three guys in um, Diggs. I mean, Diggs is one of the best receivers in football. Like, he can win a contested catch. He can do all the things. But then, like, Sanders is the low-grade version of that. You know, Cole Beasley is just a limited slot receiver. So um, they just don't really have too many bullies on that team beyond Diggs, um, Knox, and, like, they don't have anybody like that in the backfield. So I'm I'm very fascinated to watch um, – Buffalo in that type of game uh, at the same time though Buffalo is the type of team that if they come in there and like it's not that much of a slog game if they come in there and just start you know putting it on New England early I, then how does New England respond to that there's a lot of ways this game could go I I, I think we'll learn a lot I know that you know everyone's like oh well I fe it feels like one half of football Twitter or the general population football fans are saying, look at these Patriots. They've ripped off six wins in a row. You go, the Bill Belichick is back. And then the other half is they saying They definitely like, sound like that. That's for sure. <laughs> and then there's the other contingent that's saying, yeah, but it was against the Jets and the Chargers and the Panthers and, and, and Atlanta and Tennessee without Derrick Henry. Like, what do those wins mean? And I just, I don't know. I feel like that's the AFC. Show yeah, me, show me totally. the, the amazing, like, don't talk to me about how, like, the Bills haven't had some mind-blowing upsets, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, they're definitely in the mix. I mean, they're they're right there in terms of the best teams in this conference, and I think they have a great identity. Uh, they have a frustrating backfield for fantasy, but it's a great rushing ecosystem overall. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson is really good. Damian Harris is as solid as they come. They're run blocking extremely well now that the line is healthy. I, I really like this team um, and the defense, you know, it's funny. We talk about like Gabe Davis, if he was actually good, how, how many times has Bill Belichick had like the oversized kind of strange looking pass rusher uh, that they just find off the street. Now this offseason, you're like, you know what? We got money, baby. Let's just go get the good version of that player. Let's go bring Matthew Judon in here and he's kicking ass for them. So uh, I think they're they're just like clicking sort of on all cylinders right now. And even in the passing game too, I mean, Kendrick Bourne has played well for them. Uh, I like the over on his 44 and a half uh, receiving yards at actual bet MGM. And I took the under on 64 and a half. So somewhere in the middle there, I feel like it could come in uh, on our FFL set line. Jacoby Myers is playing well. Nelson Aguilar, not really that involved. I mean, he's running a ton of routes, but he's, he's getting his cardio in because he's working all those deep routes. Uh, but yeah, look, for, mo for the most part, their offseason was sort of panned, but Bourne is playing well. Aguilar clears things out. Hunter Henry has played well. Let's not, let's not talk about Johnny Smith. Uh, and then Matthew Judon is, is playing well for them as well. It'll be interesting to see how the secondary holds up without a glue guy, if you will, like Tredavious White on the field. Um, yes. 
Levi Wallace has been good, but it's easier to be good when you've got White on the opposite side of the field, you know? Um, I also uh want to mention that Kendrick Bourne has averaged over 10 yards per reception in back-to-back weeks. I think it's cool that he's emerged as as the leading receiver in terms of production for the Patriots. I have uh, my feeling also, you know, the Pats lost both games to Buffalo in 2020. And I do put some stock, and maybe you can roll your eyes at it, about Bill Belichick keeping tabs on things. I don't think that they lose this game. I can tell myself, especially given the weather that you mentioned, a story in which Josh Allen falls behind early. I think that's going to be key, right? Like, both teams are going to want to get up fast. Um, not, But you would imagine that Josh Allen has the skill set and certainly the receivers, the pass-catching weapons, to pull himself out of a deficit But we also have seen him press and maybe make a couple of mental errors. And if the weather isn't right and he's not feeling okay, and we know that this New England defense is opportunistic, I feel really strongly, this is a gut instinct, that the Patriots win this game on a pick six. And Josh Allen just makes one error too many. But that's why this game is going to be fascinating. I think we're going to learn a lot, not just about both of these teams, but a lot about the AFC and the playoff race from this particular effort. All right, who are you liking for single-game DFS? Let's get into the money now. Right. Um, I think you still play Josh Allen, Steph Diggs. Like, they're yeah. just the two established guys in this game. Listen, Jacoby Myers, he's 12 bucks. He's still the number one guy in terms of targets, routes, run. I would probably go his direction if you're picking a New England receiver, even though Kendrick Bourne has been hyper-efficient of late. Uh, and then in the run- I mean, <laughs> the running back room is just like – Throw your hands up with these Patriots backs because you that you literally cannot project which one is going to be better than the other. It is a straight split, and it's just who's going to score the touchdown. I probably just take the one dollar discount on Ramondre Stevenson, and then I mean, is it crazy to like Matt Breida at sixteen bucks? I mean, he has been he's been involved, very involved lately. Then he's involved in the passing game as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I that's think... key. I think that's the key part is the passing game point. Yeah. All right. Well, that is the Patriots at Bills. I'm looking forward to this one. I loved chatting about it with you, Matt. In fact, if y'all liked the conversation we had, then you can keep it going on Twitter. Make sure to follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF and follow Matt. Definitely follow Matt. He loves questions. He loves conversation on social media. It's one of his favorite things at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. While you're at it, go ahead and double check that you're following at Yahoo Fantasy because Trevor Lewis, who runs the handle, also big conversationalist. You don't want to miss chatting with him at the Yahoo Fantasy handle. And if you'd like a different angle on Sunday's games, you can listen to Charles Robinson and Frank Schwab in the most recent episode of You Pod to Win the Game. You can search for it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you come back tomorrow to this podcast right here for the very special Pickups Pod with Andy and Scott featuring the one and only Adrian Peterson. Assuredly. Until then, we're out.